Um, what a gift to be here with you, and uh, what a tremendous gift to have spent some time um, away. And I just, I, there's something about being with the people in this community, like seeing people and like the, the stories that get fired of faith. And for those of you that I, I know where you're at in life a little bit and kind of know some of what you long for and hunger for, it's just an incredible blessing um, to, to be in the room with you and uh, seeking God and, and his will for our lives together. So um, it's really good to be back. Uh, I wanted to, one of the things that I learned when I was away, um, probably like the only thing related to how like church happens or how people gather as the church, there's this really cool rhythm that a couple different communities that I visited did, and they called it the sacrament of the ordinary. And basically, somebody would just come up and share a little bit about their story and where they were at right now at this very moment in relationship to God. And um, the two times that, that I heard about it, um, one of them was somebody who was just kind of in this weird place of not knowing what the future was. Um, and the other one was just somebody who talked about their, vo- their vocation and like what they did in the world. Um, so I, there's a story that I thought, man, this would be a really great story to share with you because I think it's somebody who um, is, is living by faith right now and trying to figure out what that next step looks like. And so would you welcome up with me Olivia Hibbler. Um, Olivia is Olivia with an A, not Olivia, just so you know. Um, these are things that mistakes I have made. And some of her students made the mistake uh, of mis- mixing up her last name. It's not Hitler, but Hibbler, okay? Hib, Hib, H-I-B. So um, Olivia is going to share with us a little bit about her journey. And um, I met Olivia last, I don't know, spring or winter or something, and the Exploring the River group, which if you're kind of checking out this community is a really neat place to get to meet some people. Um, we'll have one in September, uh, starting in September. And so I met Olivia there and she was sharing her story. And the first part I was kind of like, I'm perfectly honest with you. I was thinking you were from like West Michigan, like my hometown. I didn't realize you were from East Michigan. Um, and I thought like, I've heard this story before, right? This was again, judgmental. Um, and all of a sudden she's like five minutes into it. And then she drops this, like, like this thing that happened in her life. And then, um, next thing I know, like the whole room we're uh, you know, we're like crying, right? I'm like past the tissues. Um, and it was just this moment of, of real like power and beauty in our, in our group, our exploring the river group. So, um, I know you're going to be blessed by, uh, what Olivia has to share, um, and as an educator, some of you are also educators. When she's kind of finished, we just want to remember you this week as well. So, Olivia, take it away. All right. So, as Nick mentioned, my name's Olivia, and I am from Michigan, the thumb of Michigan, not West Michigan. Um, and I came to Redlands in uh, August of last year from Calvin College to do my student teaching at Redlands Christian with um, Mike DeYoung and PE. So student teaching was an incredible experience, and through it, I just fell in love with this community. So after graduating from Calvin in December, I decided why not move to Redlands while I look for a job. So I had no idea through all of that that I would be finding a job, a teaching job, in Redlands for the school year. So let me take you a step back so you can understand how did I move across the country, why am I taking this big leap of faith. So maybe some of you are like me and you're a big planner and before everything, you know, one thing's done, you've already got the next thing mapped out in your head. I am a huge, huge planner. 
Um, so growing up, my dream and my plan was to play college soccer. And like many who aspire to be a college athlete, I planned out how to make that possible, which if you're an athlete, that means you have to play the sport a lot. So I played a lot of soccer. And I trained on the off season to help hopefully make that dream become a reality. And I was on track to do that. Um, but God had another plan for my life. During my junior year of high school, I suffered a severe brain injury. And that injury changed my entire life. Doctor visits and tests later, I was told I would never play competitive sports again. That the risks to my life and my overall health were simply too high. So my dream and my plan were shattered. So you're wondering, what do you do next? So I went through a very dark time where I ended up walking away from the Christian faith. I wanted nothing to do with it. Because I had staked my entire identity in being an athlete, being a soccer player. And when that was taken away, I didn't know what to do. But thankfully, my parents didn't get up on me. And they reminded me, whether I liked it or not, that God had a purpose for everything that he does. And that his plan would be better than any plan I can make up in my head. So over that first year of recovery, I found God again. And for the first time in my life, my faith was mine. Sorry. I understood just how powerful and important it is. And my identity was no longer just about being an athlete. My identity was in Jesus Christ. I began to learn that God was teaching me to make plans, but to leave those plans open for him to do something else. And to allow him to open doors and paths that I couldn't even fathom. So then I went into college, and my health improved a little bit, but then my sophomore year, it took another turn. Instead of, you know, my symptoms going away and getting better, they got worse. So once again, you visit doctors, and you have more tests done. And once again, I was kind of wonder left wondering, what do I do now? Because this time, the test came back with the high probability that I had brain cancer. And that was definitely not in my plan. I was frustrated. I had left God room to open doors, but why did he choose to open this door? But by the grace of God, after months of tests, there was no cancer to be found. And once again, I was left wondering, what is the purpose of this? And it really wasn't until this spring that I gathered a glimpse of what God was trying to teach me and prepare me for through all of those life experiences. God has instilled in me a passion for physical education, which stems from my deep love of all sports, and my student teaching semester here affirmed in the best way possible that teaching PE is where God really wants me to be. God has also been forming in me a passion to help kids learn to enjoy life and learn to enjoy movement. My brain injury and my other health issues have slowed me down in many ways, but I have learned to not let them rule my day-to-day -day life, especially when it comes to being physically active. So I figured, why can't I help kids learn that too? So you're probably wondering, you're sitting there, okay, this is a great story, whatever, but how does this affect me? Well, that's where Nick came in in, in April, and we sat down and he said, what do you think about being a volunteer PE teacher at Lagonia Elementary next year? And it's a school that desperately needs PE and where kids 
They need some help learning to enjoy that movement and play. When he first approached me, I heard him out. I heard his story, what he wanted me to do, and what he thought we could do. But I was also actively applying and interviewing for other PE and athletic director positions across the country. And I did get offered a few of those jobs. But through that process, I couldn't shake this idea of Lagonia. And I struggled with it. Why can I not shake this volunteer position and take a full-time job that pays somewhere else? And it took months of prayer. And God finally made it clear to me that the reason my heart was so set on Lagonia was that because for all the other positions I had applied for, interviewed for, been offered jobs, there was a, a line of applicants. But Lagonia didn't have that line. And I realized that for those kids, if I didn't take the job, someone equally or more qualified than I am would be teaching those kids PE. They would be getting PE. But for Lagonia, that wasn't the case. If I didn't do it, no one else was going to. And those kids would go by another year with the minimum of PE. So after months and months of prayer, my heart was made up, I decided I'd take the leap and help make Nick's dream a reality. So this summer, I've spent most of my time creating this program, writing the curriculum for it, a website, fundraising, and lots and lots of time in prayer. And I've decided to name the program Revive, um, because it's my hope that this program will breathe new life into PE and into the school community. And it's my hope that the students will not only live healthier lifestyles, but they'll be encouraged to come to school and they'll learn a variety of activities they can do with their friends, both at school and outside of school. So that's where kind of you come in. The river is already pledged through the Benevolence Fund to help, you know, help things go together for me. Um, but the big thing is I'm going to need prayer warriors. Um, there are going to be hard days. There are going to be great days. There's going to be a mix. Um, and you never know what you're going to get when you deal with kids. So if you can be praying that, you know, each day, God opens another door, that would be incredible. Another way that you can support me is becoming a financial partner. I am doing this job 100% volunteer. Um, the school district is not paying me at all. Um, so I'm in the process of kind of fundraising my own salary for the school year. Um, I'm also coaching volleyball and gymnastics on the side. Um, and classes start tomorrow. So if you could say a quick prayer tomorrow morning that things go well, that would be incredible. Um, but if, last but not least, if you don't get anything out of this entire talk, um, just remember, God's got everything figured out, and he's the one making the final plans, not us. Thank you. Yeah. When we were in the, um, exploring the river group, I remember you said something along the lines of, because your physical activity was limited during that time, but you could still kind of do some things. And I remember you said your, your hope and like your dream was that all kids everywhere, even like kids with limitations on what they could do physically, would be able to do something um, in terms of just like movement. And because that's such a big part of um, what you love. And that for me just like was uh, hugely impactful just thinking about how God used that period of, you know, rest and almost like a, a five, six-year um, struggle to help sh shape your calling of what you uh, 
um, are passionate about and love and want to see happen in the world. And I also love the part where you said, if I didn't do this, um, nobody would. And I think, you know, you said, if you get anything else out of this thing, out of this talk, well, for me, I, I kind of um, feel like each of us is somewhere that's a unique place, a neighborhood, um, you know, a, a role in our family, um, a, a workplace. And so that apply a grandparent, like we each have a role that nobody else can fulfill, a friend to a certain person in a certain way. And so that applies to all of us absolutely, like to continue to be faithful in our spot. Um, and I'm just, that's just like a really deeply stirring idea to me. And uh, thanks for, for sharing that. Um, Olivia is um, stepping in tomorrow to a school, but she's not the only one in this community that's in that boat. So just for a moment, I want to remember those of you that are in kind of, this is a transition in our year, naturally. We're at the beginning of a school year, and even if you didn't, um, even if you're not in school currently, you, you know what that season is like. So I want to just kind of remember two groups of people for a moment um, and, and pray for you as well as Olivia. Um, the first are students, and I want to start with students that are um, transitioning to a new school. So either you're like, maybe you're going to, to college or um, maybe you're transitioning to high school. Um, so if you're a student in transition, will you just stand up a moment real quick? Sierra, come on. There you go, Micah. All right, Savannah, Simon, Connor. All right. Um, we want to just remember you guys, and so stay there. Um, we just want to remember you in this transition. And then also um, just let's now all the students stand up. Going back to school, if you're a student, Simon, stay up, stay up. Uh, just all of you stand up, students of any size, shape, form. Uh, these, are, yeah, there you go. Stand up for sure. Caleb, Devin, come on. Don't be scared. Um, we, we, I want to acknowledge that being a student is um, a really beautiful and also a challenging uh, part of life. And um, we just, we just want to remember you guys this morning. We're thankful for you. And we celebrate what God is going to do and shape in you this year. And so um, blessings to you on your year. Let's give it up for these guys. All right, stay up, stay up, stay up, just stay up. Um, now, everyone involved in uh, education, if you would stand up, if you're a teacher, counselor, um, work at a desk somewhere, food service, you're, you're involved in, in education and kind of the formation of these people's lives and that institution. Um, we, we celebrate you guys and God's call on your life. And we know this time of year, uh, brings with it a lot of ah, just change and new rhythms and man I'm married to somebody involved in education it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and so um, we just want to lift you up this morning as well as Olivia and her transition so will you join me in a word of prayer for these friends um, God thanks that this is a diverse place where we get to walk with um, people who are in that spot of learning and who are called to um, just have their imaginations run wild. God, we pray for a curiosity unlike any other this year in our, our students. And um, Lord, we thank you for our educators and those involved in uh, forming these young people's lives. And we thank you for that, that calling, that vocation. 
and pray um, this year that you give them uh, patience, uh, give them creativity, uh, Lord, give them friendship. Um, may this be um, just a year that they can remember, um, and we bless you for the work that they are doing. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends. Thanks, Olivia. My parents offered a lot of prayers for my teachers over the years. <laughs> One of the things when I was, I took my shoes off, by the way, because they're new, and I'm sorry if this is offensive to you. I'm not trying to like, be offensive, but they just hurt my feet really bad. They were new, and they're really nice. I can put them up here, but I'm not going to wear them. So. But... Um, I, I read one of my old report cards from when I was in elementary school, and uh, it's probably not a huge shocker to you what it said in there. Uh, you know, the grades was not like a struggle for me, but I got to the line where it just said, um, you know, participates well in class, yes, um, listens well, and it was like, you know, the whatever it is, oh, satisfactory. And then there was a little note, like, Nick is still learning when is a good time and when is not a good time to talk. It's like, <laughs> I laughed really hard. I was like, yeah, talking too much has always been my problem. So um, anyhow, it's really good to be a part of this time with you. It's really good to see your faces. And I got to be really careful because I see you and I just want to like, hey, good to see you. So I'm going to try to stay focused this morning. Um, but if I do get off, just understand it's like excitement that has been building up to, to see you all. Uh, my family and I took 12 weeks on sabbatical, which is a fancy word for rest. And um, this was like, uh, man, a, a time we visited, I think, I, I went through a process of reflecting on my sabbatical time. And um, I wrote down over a hundred different communities and community leaders that we had met. Um, some of them uh, were just kind of like, you know, circumstantial. We were at a campground and we got into a conversation with somebody and, um, you know, it just went into places that I didn't expect. Um, others of them were times that we had set to visit in places. From like the fashion district in LA, talking with this Israeli designer about clothing and how he styles stuff and chooses things, to like meeting for me with a spiritual director, which I had never done before. And I found out that it was um, Virginia Gray's daughter-in-law. Like at the very end of our time together, she's, yeah, I don't know where Virginia is, but um, it was really cool to meet with her as somebody who could just listen to, to my life and help me discern um, what God was doing in it. So that was a neat practice um, as well. But the greatest gift of this time, the greatest gift for me and my family was um, just the ability to rest and I did not see that coming. I said to Scott and to some of my friends before um, sabbatical, I said, I don't need to rest right now. I don't feel unrested. I don't feel I'm not tired. Um, and I don't need to rest. I don't really need this time to rest. Because people kept saying, oh, I hope you have a great time of rest. I hope you and your family can rest. And I'm like, I don't need to rest. And I saw this conversation this summer with my kids 
they were, uh, we did a lot of swimming. And you know when you're like all day, if you're at the beach or somewhere where you're in the sun and you're in the water, you know how you look at the end of the day? You know that look? You've seen kids like this, right? They're swimming all day long. They're in the sand. They're digging. They're in the waves. And then it's like dinner time and you see them again. And you're like, hey, like you look so exhausted. And what do kids go? They're like, yeah, I'm so tired. I can't wait to go to bed. Maybe you have a kid like that, okay? My kids are like, I am not tired. And you look in their eyes and they're just like bloodshot and they're like, their skin is all crinkly and they just look exhausted, right? And um, the reality is, if you're like me and uh, my kids, we resist rest. We resist it. And, um, you know, so much so that uh, sleep has become like, it's a huge industry um, to help people fall asleep, right? We got we to gotta create all sorts of rhythms, and there's all this conversation about how to get the best sleep. We have technologies now that can, like, map our sleep. But when I'm, I'm talking about rest, I'm not just talking about sleep. When I'm talking about rest, I want to think about it in terms of um, kind of the song we just sang. The ability to release our lives our circumstances, the ability to release those to God. And I felt rested. And what I realized over the course of sabbatical, and um, forgive me for kind of the crude analogy here, but imagine this wasn't dressing, but like a fine beverage, okay? That, let's say it was a fine wine, and um, that wasn't well-filtered, Okay, so what happens when you have like a beverage that's not well filtered or a high gravity beer or something like that, home brewers know this, is that um, like there's sediment in it, okay? And a part of that process of filtering and bringing clarity to that beverage um, is allowing the sediment to sink. So you see how this like, now it doesn't, the, the analogy breaks down because dressing you want to be well like shaken up. But um, what happens is all the, the sediment and the stuff kind of settles, right? And then you get this clarity to the thing. And that's a really good thing, right, Nate? You want that, that clarity in it. Um, Julie and I were driving in this farmland in southwest Michigan. And all of a sudden I realized, it was like week eight or nine, I realized like, oh, that's what this time has been. The settling of all of these things that I, I've been mulling over in my head things that I was chasing that I didn't know I was chasing, ways that I was trying to control that I didn't really realize I was trying to control. And so this rest, what it did, was allow um, these things to kind of settle so that there was clarity. Now, Will mentioned work earlier, do the work. And one of the things that I'm learning, and I, I learned, I think, better over the course of my sabbatical time, was rest really creates the space for us to reflect and go like, what is the work? What's the stuff that's important? And so this morning, um, I just want to present to you that rest, um, it has this replenishing quality. It creates the space for us to reflect on what the work is, to recover, and ultimately to reorient our lives in ways that allow for continued growth. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23. 
Good old Psalm 23. If you've been around church, you know this, you have it memorized, you heard it from the time you could walk, and you'll probably hear it on your deathbed. This is recited um, all the time by those of us who have found our rest in God because it's this incredible picture of what a rest-filled life kind of looks like. It's a vision of a life where God is leading. And the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In the first service, Julie, um, there's a, a lady here who was training her dog. And like right when I was reading this, she was walking in with the dog. And I was like, just come up here, come up on stage. I think the dog's name was Bella. Was it Bella? Bella. And, um, you know, I said to her, hey, what makes, what makes Bella a bad dog? Like, when is she a bad dog? And she goes, when she's listening to everybody else and not to me. And I was like, that'll preach. That'll preach, right? Because um, when we make this confession, God is my shepherd, it's, it's like we're confessing that he is leading, that we, our position in life, like Bella, is to be led, like Olivia and what she said. Um, she made plans, but she left them open and allowed God ultimately to lead her in the path that he had for her. And so a restful life to me is one where we're allowed to sort of um, let God lead. I like the idea that unless we rest, unless we take that posture, we'll only ever be restless. Unless we make that confession, the Lord is my shepherd, we'll only be restless and searching and, and, and trying to sort of do things and manage things on our own and come up with our own plans and sort of like uh, claw our way through as opposed to going, no, like I'm just, I'm the one who's, who's being led. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, then this line, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Before I left, I talked a little bit about this. Like this, if you have a dog that's unruly, um, you know how hard it can be to get him to lie, right? And I like the way that the psalmist phrases this. He makes me lie down, right? Your little dog. What's his name again? Papa's. Papa's, right? When you got to get him to sit. Papa, sit. Papa's like. Papa, sit. Sit, right? And uh, he makes me lie down. Like sometimes I don't want to lie down. I'm not tired. I got this. I'm not tired. And um, he leads me beside quiet waters. I love the image of quiet waters. We were around a bunch of uh, ponds and um, this gravel pit, this lake. And there's something about still water. It's different than sitting by like a rushing river, which is an incredible experience too, or the ocean, because you just feel like the power of the world, right? And of God and the glory. And like, it's a different emotion than when you're by still water. Because still water is just like, it's all good, man. Just relax, it's not you. And it, it creates this space to reflect. And that's what the psalmist says when we sort of release our life to God, when we rest and live a restful life, it's like he's leading us beside this still water. And um, he, uh, my version says, restores my soul. I like the, um, the new NIV, it says he refreshes 
my soul. And we'll get to that a little bit in the second point. Um, But rest has to it this quality that's replenishing. It replenishes us. Um, It's like I thought of it a little bit, you know, um, full disclosure, one of the activities that I did this summer was yoga. Does anybody here do yoga? That dares confess it. And it has this very like, oh my goodness, he's doing yoga? Isn't that like evil? Um, For me, it was just very, it was restful. Like I just stretched. I could never at any point in my life touch my toes. And now I can touch my toes. You want to see? Yes. Okay. So anyhow, the the gift of this was um, just one of the things in yoga they're all about is like focus on your breathing. So I'm like, that's stupid. Why would I focus on my breathing? But okay, I'll try it. So I'm just like breathing. And then all of a sudden with your breath, you realize like, oh man, there's something happening for me to be alive. Like my body is doing things without me being aware of it for me to live. And so that breath is to our body what I think rest is to our soul. The breath has this replenishing, um, you know, action in it, the taking of oxygen through the lungs and dispersing it into our cells. Is that accurate for those medical people here? Is that what happens in intercourse? Kind of ish, right? Something like that. Oxygen from our lungs into our, at like a cellular level, it's giving us energy. And rest is the same sort of thing. It's a replenishing. You know, one of the words that you hear um, that, I, that I probably even drop sometimes is the word burnout. Anybody ever use the word burnout? Like, you ever have friends or maybe you who said uh, something like, I feel so burned out. And oh, what a tragic thing when we, when we get to that point, right? And I realized, I think I, there were parts of me that were probably kind of burned out. Um, burnout, there, there's a number of kind of symptoms that come with it. There's like a, a loss of creativity, uh, there's a, a fatigue, like a deep fatigue that you feel just you're tired. Um, emotionally, you're kind of just like numb, right? There's just like this numbness. And you, you, you pursue your activity with a little bit of like bitterness and resentment. Like, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to go there. I really don't want to be around them. And if that's the space you're in, like there's a decent chance you have some level of like this burnout, I think a lot of us are just in that space where we're, we're kind of tired. And a part of the reason is, is um, we've lost touch with rhythms of rest, rhythms that promote this replenishing quality. How many of you took a vacation this summer? How good was that? You're just like, it was awesome, I can't wait, right? Like vacation, what a great idea. I mean, vacation is a planned rest planned time. But sometimes vacations can be not so restful, amen? You go to Disneyland. I mean, we're not going to get into this conversation, but you're around 500 people who are all like in line waiting for something. That doesn't feel always so restful. Or at a campground where people want your spot, and when are you leaving? And we're going to wait here until you guys go. And it's like, that doesn't always feel so restful. But this burnout that we can experience is like there's something in us, in our soul, that just like gets tired and, and like starts to just feel suffocated, right? And maybe it's not even that so much, it's just sometimes it just feels like blah, meh. 
Rest is, um, I was thinking of it, the second point here in your notes, is like a violent activity because it's creating space internally. It's creating space inside of us for us to um, reflect and recover from some of those things that pull, that, that damage, from some of that, the hits that we can take um, along the way. Rest is a violent thing in that it, it, it's creating this, you know, confrontation as we say no. It was interesting, one of the things that uh, I got a lot when I was on sabbatical and I had to work through sort of the, the pressure of was people would say, so what's the point, right? The idea that the point would be to be renewed and refreshed and to not identify completely with my role as a pastor, that idea was like offensive to people. Like, so you, what do you have to do? Do you have to like write a book when you're done? Do you have to commit to saving the world when you get back? Like, what do you have to do? And I, there are some things, I'm not gonna say there's nothing that I had to do, but the idea to, to some people was like so offensive that the point would be to rest. I wanna give you permission, and I think what God wanted to do with me was give me permission to live a rest-filled life, to say the goal is to follow, not even to lead. You know, as I was thinking about it, I thought, yeah, um, this is kind of a, I don't know, maybe it'll make you think a little bit, but lazy people don't rest. And what I mean is those of us who, um, who haven't thought or sat and reflected about the forces that are demanding things of us, those of us who haven't like got to a place where like, oh, I, re I recognize that this is somebody else putting their view on me or their baggage on me and, and asking something of me that God's not requiring. Those of us who haven't like been through that process um, have a really, really hard time engaging in this rest-filled, reflective life. The other thing that if you read the, the text in Psalm 95, the psalmist talks about um, that the non-rested life is actually ancient curse language. In Psalm 95 verse 11, just the very end of this psalm, maybe you underline this in your Bible, the psalmist said that uh, you know, God in his anger, as the people were grumbling and complaining in the desert, that God in his anger said, if that's sort of the perspective you want to embrace, you want to just wallow and, and, and complain and live in that place of, of bitterness, of being burned out. He says, I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus is speaking to a group of people who he looks out and he's like, oh, they look tired. And he says, um, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or like burdened. Come to me, and I will make you productive, successful, wealthy individuals. Is that what he says? No. Come to me, and I will help you be more efficient and effective in your daily tasks. He didn't say that either. 
Salvation for God looks like coming to him and releasing our life into his hands so that we can find what? Rest. Come to me. You're tired and burdened and weary, and I'll give you rest. I love what the psalmist says in 23. Somebody said it like this. Um, He refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. One person said he recovers my personhood. He reminds me that I'm human. And so the final thing that rest does is reorients us in relationship to our lives. Rest allows us to reflect and reorient and say, hey, I'm a limited person with limited energy and limited resource. And there's tremendous freedom in that. There's great freedom in saying, I have limitations. I can't do it all. I can't even do very much. Warren Buffett, some of you are Warren Buffett fans maybe, he says when people are discerning their calling, they should write down the 25 things that they love to do. Have you heard this? Write down 25 things. And then he says, now cross out 20 of them. Choose five. Be a great husband. Be a great grandma. Be a great neighbor. Be a dynamite friend. And try not to be late for work. Right? But what do we do? We go for the 25. Right? We got the 25 things. And we're going to do, 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 do. And what I realized over the course of my sabbatical in my own personal life, friends, is that like this is what my head felt like. Cloudy. And that rest allowed for space, for clarity. So that I could say, oh, God, first, it's just really good to be your kid and to live in this amazing, amazing world that you've created. Thanks for the, the little people and my wife, for my neighbors and my friends. Wow. And this gratitude welled up in me. And then there was like a couple things that you've gifted me in the world to do. Talk too much, for sure. Share my life with with others, those who are hurting, broken, and maybe help them take a step since I've been hurt and broken a lot. Communicate the the vision and and hope that you have for the world. Do Do some creative stuff with our community so that people can find each other, you know, so I can we can connect each other. And then that's like it. And that's it. And that's enough. I wonder what it would look like for us as a community if we pursued restful rhythms, rest-filled activity. One of the things that I did that I want to do right now, haul out your phone if you got one. Ready? Dare time. Haul out your phone. Here we go. It's like two minutes and then we're done, but I just, I'm going to challenge you right here. You nervous? You should be. Ready? Here we go. All right. There are things on your phone that are a waste of your time. They absorb space in your head and in your heart that they do not need to absorb. 
I hope that it's not my contact information, <laughs> as somebody pointed out before the service. Go on that phone right now, if you have one. If you don't have a phone, praise God. <laughs> praise him. Just give him thanks. Go on your phone right now. The thing I just described for me was Facebook, and I wasn't hardly on it. But when I was on it, it was just noise. It was this in, your, in my head. And I'm not trying to, like, no offense to Mark Zuckerberg, but I'm not trying to destroy Facebook single-handedly. <laughs> and don't call me right now. <laughs> delete something. I dare you. Right now, delete an app. And then raise your hand if you delete something. Delete something like Facebook. I dare you to do it. Just delete it. You just, how do you delete it? Is you press on it and you hold on it? <laughs> and then everyone's like, no, I'm not. People keep telling me, I'm deleting you. And so in order to create this space, it can be kind of violent, right? How hard is it? Be like, I don't know. I really like my fitness pal. I guess it's just a burden that I don't need to delete. <sighs> did anybody delete anything? Yes. What did you delete, Patty? I don't know what that is. She deleted Facebook. Mrs. Intout just texted me. She deleted Facebook. Um, we need to delete more in our lives. Like, we just needed to delete. And that, that's a violent thing, because it's like we're coming to, but what if I need it later? I don't, just, just try it. And then you can always put it back on later if you want. But we need to say no, and that can be like a, a violent process. What would it look like for us as a community to encourage one another to pursue rest-filled activity? It's not that work is bad. We, God works six days, and he loves it. He loves his work, and he says of the things that he's making, they're beautiful, but it's on the seventh day when he rests and looks back, and he's able to sort of reflect. And I think God in some way, shape, or form is being replenished in that time. Pastor Scott disagrees with me, but I like the idea that God is being refreshed and replenished. And so I don't know exactly what else you need to delete, um, but one of the other things that I learned was that spending time around people who are a little bit older than me in their 70s and 80s, you folks know how to do this. Your soul is rested, Dale and Glenda, and Mr. Don Nightum, you know? Dan and Jan, you guys, your souls are, are rested, not arrested. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But you have a rested, a peacefulness to offer. I spent time with my neighbor. Me and Matt Weirs have this um, older lady in our neighborhood. And I spent time with her, and she just listened to me in, like, the most beautiful, caring way. Man, if you're a younger, like, you know, than 60, Go find one of these amazing people and just sit with them. Develop a rhythm where you, once a month, just like go check in and with no agenda, they will love you so beautifully, unlike anybody probably can. So I don't know exactly what it looks like. I'm, I'm wondering that with you, but I hope as a community we continue to pursue rest-filled activities together. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Um, I want to invite the worship team up here, and we have a gift for you. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 says, 
Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Therefore, since the promise of entering God's rest, submitting our lives to him, still stands, the promise is extended to us today to rest in Christ, to acknowledge his uh, sovereignty over us, to rest in that. St. Augustine said, it's only that when my soul finds rest in God that it ceases to be restless. And so we want to give you a gift. It's just a moment here this morning to sit, put one thing in your head that is creating a little bit of not rest, a little bit of noise, um, a little bit of anxiety. Maybe it's something in the world. You're just burdened by like just the, the racial conflict in our country and you just like sit with it. You worry for our, um, our kids as they go to school. Whatever that thing is in you that's maybe creating some tension. You wonder about, um, you know, the whatever, United States political scene, which is just, you know, beautiful in all its ways, but you just wonder about it. And you just give that thing, whatever that thing that you realize you've been carrying for a bit, just kind of put it in front of you and picture yourself, whatever it looks like to you, picture it floating away, picture God coming and taking it from you. Just release that to him. Let him be God again today. Amen? Amen. That's the gift we want to give you this morning.